Welcome to She Persisted. I'm your host, Sadie Sutton. Every Friday, I post interviews about mental health, dialectical behavioral therapy, and teenage life. These episodes break down my mental health journey, teach skills to help you cope with life, and showcase testimonials from individuals, including teens just like you. Whether you've struggled yourself or just want to improve your mental fitness, this podcast is your inspiration to live a life you love and keep persisting. This week on She Persisted. The reality is you're going to go to a party and there's people smoking. What are you going to do? You know, are you going to walk under the mud with the barbed wire or are you going to succumb to the to the moment? And so uh, part of it is becoming more resilient, tough-minded as well. This week's DBT skill is the pros and cons skill. I know this sounds self-explanatory, but I love the way the DBT outlines this skill, so I wanted to share it as it's so relevant to this week's episode. So we use pros and cons to make decisions, and this skill can be super helpful when you need to make a decision between two or more options. So big picture, the objective of the skill is for you to realize that accepting reality and tolerating distress leads to better outcomes versus rejecting reality and refusing to tolerate distress. However, you can use the pros and cons skill in any situation that you are navigating. So here's what you do. First, you in detail describe the behavior you are trying to avoid. Do the who, what, when, where, how, all of the objective details without adding judgments. Next, you're going to examine the pros and cons of engaging in the behavior or not engaging in the behavior. This means the pros for engaging in the behavior, the cons for engaging in the behavior, the pros for not engaging in the behavior, and the cons for not engaging in the behavior. Then you're going to examine the advantages and disadvantages of each viable option and decide how to move forward. This isn't just a two-part list of what the good and bad parts are of a behavior. It is a lot more comprehensive and a full picture of all the different advantages and disadvantages of the situation. And I really love the nuance this gives to navigating scenarios. So I will link the DBT pros and cons worksheet in today's show notes if you are interested in filling that out. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of She Persisted. My name is Sadie Sutton. I'm your host. I'm an 18-year-old freshman at the University of Pennsylvania, and I'm so glad you're here. And if you're new here, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and follow along at at She Persisted Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. So if you are a returning listener, you might notice a couple of things are different. One is that it's Monday. It's not Friday. We have a new upload day. This is for a couple of reasons. One is that very consistently over the past six months when my upload day was Friday, I wouldn't actually upload until like Saturday or Sunday, which was just not very effective. With my like workflow with schoolwork and homework and work work, it just really was not very effective. And also we talk about some pretty heavy things on She Persisted. Like these are not like conversations and it felt much more fitting as a Monday podcast rather than a Friday podcast. So it just kind of just like, oh, I'm exhausted. I just want to relax or laugh and not focus on anything crazy. So we now are uploading on Mondays and I'm really excited about this. I hope you like it as well. And this is really with the intention that you start the week off feeling inspired and supported and with a goal to tackle. The next update is that we have new cover art, which is something that I'm so proud of. I had to teach myself Adobe Illustrator to make this cover art, which was just such a whole freaking process, but I am very proud of it. I literally was going to hire a graphic designer because I wanted something that looked more professional, but I like didn't think I could make it myself, and so I was so, so, so proud with how it came out, and it's just perfect. We have a little brain on the P. It's just I'm obsessed, 100% obsessed. If you are on Apple Podcasts and subscribed and you did not notice that there's new cover art, you should unsubscribe and resubscribe again so that it'll like upload the new cover art in your feed and so that you can 
fully have the new cover art experience, which is just such a vibe while you're listening. And my last update in this intro is that the dorm tour photos finally went live six weeks or eight weeks into the school year. So I will link those in today's show notes if you want to see the dorm room. I am really proud of how it came out. It was such a fun project and it's just such a happy place and I just, I I love it. It makes me so happy and I hope you enjoy it too. So that will be in today's show notes. So today's episode is with Dr. Jay Faber. We really dive into adolescent substance use, specifically nicotine, marijuana, and alcohol. This is something that I became a lot more aware of once I came to college, especially smoking and nicotine use. And so I felt like I just had a lot more of an awareness of how prevalent this was within the adolescent mental health space, something that I thought would be beneficial to provide some really amazing education and information on. And this is a conversation that I'm just really happy with and proud of. We talk all about what exactly happens when the adolescent brain consumes nicotine, marijuana, and alcohol. We talk about which is like the lesser of the evils. We talk about how you can quit smoking and drinking if that is something that you want to do. We talk about for parents how you can support your child if you are hoping to decrease that behavior or they want to quit. So it's just such a well-rounded conversation and Dr. Faber does have a very holistic approach here. Like he acknowledges that it's something that is so prevalent in teenagers' lives and this is the information, this is what you can do with this, and this is how you can be most effective in navigating that given the scenario you're given, if that makes sense. So today's guest is Dr. Jay Faber. He's a child psychiatrist at Amen Clinics. He has more than two decades of experience in child psychiatry, adolescent psychiatry, and adult psychiatry. In addition to his work at Amen Clinics, he is the president of BrainSource, a corporation founded to teach adolescents how to build successful lives. He is double board certified in child, adolescent, and adult psychiatry by the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology, and he also has a book, Escape, How to Rehab Your Brain to Stay Out of the Legal System, which I will link in today's show notes. So again, this is just a phenomenal conversation that gives you the science on adolescent substance use, gives you tips and tricks on how to decrease or quit substance use if that is a decision you decide to make. And we also offer resources and advice for parents and loved ones hoping to support someone who has decided to quit substance use. So without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. Thank you so much, Dr. Faber, for joining me on She Persisted today. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, Sadie. Of course. So today's episode, I really want to drive into adolescent substance use and substance use disorder. So kind of talking about the prevalence of that, what the numbers are looking like there, and then the long-term impacts of using things like nicotine, drinking marijuana, all of those things. So let's start with nicotine and kind of talk about how prevalent of an issue that is, what you're seeing in your practice, and what the negative effects are there. Well, you know, depending who you read, approximately 40% of adolescents are smoking. How many are smoking versus vaping? That's kind of a good question. And I don't have as much data. I don't think anyone has as much data yet, but uh, the the likelihood it's probably much, much higher with it. The the problem with nicotine, which is in the, which is when you smoke, that's sort of the active ingredient is our brains get really addicted to it quite quickly. So Nicotine binds to nicotine receptors, which are located throughout our whole brain, which result in a release of a lot of different neurotransmitters from serotonin to dopamine, norepinephrine. So what happens is you feel awake, you feel alert, you feel alive, and then your brain wants that experience more and more frequently. And the problem is all the other ingredients in smoking that make it not so friendly to our lungs, probably the most notable organ, but there's also also carcinogens that can affect other 
uh, parts of our body. It is by far the most addictive substance. People who decide to quit smoking six months later, 90% of them are smoking again. And, and so it's like, it, it's, it's, it's really, really, really difficult. And what normally happens um, is people will stop, they do two months, and then they may have an, a, you know, a break, they smoke, and then a, what the heck, I can't do anything, and they just restart the whole habit again, as opposed to working with a group or an understanding that, you know, smoking takes time, and you're, you're probably going to have your, your, your breaks, breakthroughs where you smoke again, and it's a matter of getting resilient and picking up the pieces and going from there. So, and then if you think about it, if you start smoking in in, in say high school, 16 years old, you know, by the time you're, you know, say 46 or 56, and if you're not be able to stop just the, the effects, I mean, just forget about cancer or your lungs, just aging, you know, people look and think much older from yeah. the, from the effects of it. hundred percent. So, yeah. I, you talked about how it's the most addictive substance. I'm wondering, is it something where you smoke one time and you immediately are already seeing those effects of the addiction? Or is it something that takes time to become addicted to? Because I know people will say, oh, I'm just trying it once or I'm just going to only smoke one time. Is that something that people can truly do or the science just does not support that? Well, I, I don't think we completely know. I think there's two facets to it. I think the nicotine, we know, you know, it's addictive. So in that sense, was it once or twice or three times? You know, we don't know, but it doesn't take that long, you know, month mm-hmm. to two months and, you know, habits start to form. So there's mm-hmm. that piece of it, you know, the nicotine withdrawal piece. And then there's just, you know, learning habits. Your brain, it, in the way it works, it, it's, it's, it's sort of fascinating. It works the same for substances as well, is you look, you see, you hear, you feel things. Everything that is externally sensed goes through our private brain called the thalamus, which sends a message to our hippocampus, which is our memory center. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be anything from seeing a tree to being around people. That memory center sends a message to our nucleus of Cubans that says, hey, that reminds me of when you were at this party or when yeah. you were smoking. And obviously you got these urges to smoke or use whatever. And it's like, well, where the heck are these coming from? Yeah. And so the long-term just retraining you know your brain it's it's hard and so you got these all these unconscious messages going on that we're learning are externally driven and as we learn more we're becoming more conscious of what's actually happened that just makes it mm-hmm. difficult to stop do we know yet if vaping or smoking is worse or are we just waiting for the science to kind of play out there well you know i mean the the, the, the we knew smoking i mean it's just you know besides tobacco in the cigarettes, I mean, there's, you know, hundreds of just other carcinogens mm-hmm. that are being um, created by yeah. smoking. So when vaping came out, oh, hooray, you know, we're just giving you, you know, steam and nicotine and that's safe. But mm-hmm. then we're starting to see all these people who get pulmonary um, infiltrations associated with pneumonia. And sometimes it gets better, sometimes it doesn't. And now what's going on. So what are we doing? We're like taking apart the whole vaping pipe from its heaters to yeah. the ingredients like oh god what's what's the big one in there right now i think ethylene glycol i believe which helps the smoke look nice but what does that do to our body yeah uh, and and so now we're having to ask more questions and do more research and become like better detectives to say hey this was sort of the the, the new answer to smoking cigarettes but is vaping really going to be that much safer i, I want- think the jury's out but we're seeing some yeah. concerning things yeah 
This week's episode is sponsored by Teen Counseling. Teen Counseling is an online therapy program with over 14,000 licensed therapists in their network. They offer support on things like depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, substance use, like this episode is all about, and more. Teen Counseling offers text, talk, and video counseling all from your home. So what you're going to do is you're going to go to teencounseling.com slash depersisted. You're going to fill out a quick survey about what you want to focus on in therapy. Then you're going to send a consent link to your parents. And I tested this myself, guys. I sent myself the email. Basically, all it says is Sadie or whatever your name is, is interested in meeting with a clinician from teen counseling. Please learn more here and give consent to treatment. None of your information about what you want to work on in therapy is disclosed. Your parent is just giving permission for you to work with a therapist. From there, you are matched with a therapist that meets your needs and your goals. And you start working via talk, text, or video counseling. So if you are looking for professional support, again, on things like depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, substance use, and so much more, head to teencounseling.com slash sheepersisted. Again, that's teencounseling.com slash sheepersisted to get started today. I want to talk about trying to quit smoking, trying to quit vaping from two perspectives. One from the perspective of a parent or a concerned adult community member who has a loved one that is struggling with smoking or vaping. And then as an individual, as a teen who themselves is trying to smoke and vape or trying to quit smoking and vaping. For loved ones, community members, etc., what is your advice there? Is it to express concern? Is it to direct them to resources? What do you advise? Well, one is as as a, a parent, you know, caregiver. The one you have to be really clear about what your expectation is. Okay, mm-hmm. which it sounds simple, but a lot of times it's not. It, the expectation is if you're wanting your child to stop smoking, then we got to verbally let, you know, your adolescent know that this is the goal. We're going to stop smoking. Yeah. Okay, so that's part of part one. Now, part two is just, I think, just teaching general self-management skills to to our teens and, and to be quite frank, to parents themselves. I, I think we, you know, I'm, this is going to be one chapter of a book I'm writing right now. But we, we have, like we talk about long-term goals, medium-term goals, and, and short-term goals. And in each of those, it's, it's a nice terminology, but how do you think and, and how should we think think through each of those areas. So if we take, you know, smoking for one, okay. So long-term goals, say three, four years, you're not smoking. It's not going to be six months if you go by stats. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you feed yourself inspirational self-management. What does that mean? You see yourself not smoking. You see yourself 10 years down the line, your skin's healthy. You don't have wrinkles. You don't have a horrible breath. You're not shriveling up when you're age 40 or 50. So you start to see and feel inspired by just visualizing. So that's sort of stage one, okay, long-term management. Medium-term goals is, you know, maybe you say, hey, over the next three months, I'm going to set a goal not to smoke more than three cigarettes a week, okay, to to try Mm -hmm. to taper off. And so with that, you use more strategic thinking, okay? So what does that involve? That means, you know, sitting down, you know, maybe having a meeting with your child on a weekly basis, not one where you're, you're being punitive, but it's like any other execution. You see what's working, what's not. You know, hey, we set a goal for three cigarettes, you smoked six this week. So let's kind of look at this and see what happened. What can we do better than this next week to try to cut down? Mm-hmm. And so you're using not so much an emotionally charged, you know, stress-inducing, anger-provoking meeting to create yeah. change. You're utilizing 
self-management strategic skills and you're teaching your kids and, and, and to be honest parents are probably teaching themselves yeah do the yeah. same thing and then three there's short-term goals okay short-term goal it's the nitty-gritty it's nitty-gritty self-management it's getting your 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 feet dirty your your shoes wet it's sort of like the this like the uh, new runners that do these um races where you you run under mud with barbed wire mm -hmm, across mm -hmm. your your back i mean part of it the day by day churning out is you've got to learn how to manage discomfort and continue to move forward the problem i find is most of us use nitty-gritty management to set long-term goals and what yeah. happens is people get burned out saying if this is what it's like day by day why even try it doesn't yeah. work but but it's part of the process i mean the reality is you're going to go to a party and there's people smoking what are you going to do you know are you going to walk under the mud with the barbed wire or are you going to succumb to the to the moment and so uh part of it is becoming more resilient tough-minded as well so i'm giving you sort of a long-winded answer but that's no, what I it takes it. very helpful yeah no, 100%. If someone is working to quit smoking, is that a situation where you recommend working with a professional or it's more something that can be self-guided with these short, medium, and long-term goals? Well, I mean, I would start off with short, uh, medium, and long-term goals. Mm -hmm. um, then if that doesn't work, you know, then I would look for other guidance, you know, like Smokers Anonymous meetings. I mean, I'd be looking at something like that. Mm -hmm. um, I would be looking up, probably go to Meetup, yeah. you know, in your local community, see what's there. You could look at other assistance like nicotine replacement, you know, with a discussion with your family and on how and when to use that um, as well. So 100%. I think that those all are super helpful and make a ton of sense. I want to talk about adolescent alcohol use and drinking because I think that's something that is a very big part of not only high school culture in a lot of places, but college culture as well. And so I kind of want to first talk about what happens to an adolescent brain when you're when you're under the influence and kind of long term what that looks like because we know your brain's not fully developed you're not able to logically process through things as well as an adult can what happens when adolescents start using alcohol at a young age well if you look at this one stats about 67 two-thirds of adolescents have drank by the time they've graduated so it, it, it's a lot. I don't think there's any surprises there. I, I think it's probably even maybe higher depending on certain yeah. communities. So, I mean, it's everywhere. You go yeah. to a party, it's everywhere. And that's not the only thing, but, the, but it's there. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what happens is it becomes acceptable. It's just part of routine life. It's part of culture. You know, you do it. And, and, and even from parents, I mean, how many parents have drank when they were in high school? I mean, it's yeah. sort of, it's like, it's part of the culture. You kind of accept it. But our brains don't know that alcohol is that accepted. They just know that it's toxic. Okay. Mm -hmm. So short-term use, what typically ends up happening is the alcohol affects part of our brain called the frontal lobes. Okay. Our frontal lobes are involved in decision-making, making good choices, uh, good decisions. When we drink, that part of our brain doesn't work as well. Okay. And so what happens is we end up making decisions we sometimes wouldn't make if we weren't drinking. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, we, we might end up with somebody we typically aren't with. We might drive a car thinking I can drive a car. We might, you know, think we can drink before the next morning taking a test and be okay. And we're not okay. So that's the short term, but long term alcohol 
is it's it's toxic uh, to the brain. And someone can take a look at a website. And we've got pictures of mm-hmm. brains of people who've consumed alcohol. And over the long haul, our brain surface starts to have global diffuse perfusion problems. And wherever there's less blood flow, our brain doesn't work well. So if the frontal lobes now have less blood flow all the time, we don't come up with good decisions. It's harder to work, yeah. harder to get a good job, harder, harder to get good grades at school. You know, if our, our temporal lobes are affected, our memory might not be as good. We might get more angry than normal. We might get mm-hmm. more irritable. We're not able to tolerate frustration as well. So the long-term effects are, are fairly pronounced. And we oftentimes, because we can't see our brain, we don't know. With yeah. neuroimaging now, whether it be spec scan, which is why we use at the office, PET scan, you can see things. I don't think the graphics are quite as, as detailed yet. FMRIs, I think we're starting to, to see that clearly alcohol is not our brain's best mm-hmm. friend, yeah, okay? Yeah. Is there a connection to higher rates of addiction and um, alcoholism the earlier you start drinking, or is that something that there's not a, a relationship between? Well, the trajectory, if you look at the, tra- the, the if you start earlier, the, the likelihood is higher that you're yeah. going to have a drinking yeah. problem. It really becomes a problem more in college. Mm-hmm. You know, because people once, you know, hooray, we're away from mom and dad, you know, we're in the dormitory room and, you know, you've got access and it's like, I'm just going through college, you know, I'll get over mm-hmm. this, you know, after college. And then a lot of people do, but there is a large percentage who don't mm-hmm. get over it. This week's episode is brought to you by Sakara. Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. So if you're familiar with She Persisted and my view on mental health, you know I think it's so important to make sure that you're taking care of your physical health to not add emotional vulnerability to your mental health. This means getting enough sleep, having good nutrition, getting outside and moving. All of these things are crucial. So Sakara is organic, ready-to-eat meals that are made with powerful plant-based ingredients and they're designed to boost your energy, improve digestion, and get your skin glowing. Their meals are delivered all around the U.S. ready to eat at your door. They also have amazing wellness essentials like their Sleepy Time Tea, which is one of my all-time favorites. It's one of my favorite parts of my night routine. And my other favorite that they have is their Beauty Chocolates. Basically, you eat one or two of these a day. They contain your daily source of 70 milligrams of phytoceramides, which increases moisture, improves that elasticity of the skin, enhances glow, and it's a chocolate. It tastes freaking delicious. I love it. So they have so many different supplements, teas, powders, granola, you name it, in addition to their meals. So if you want to get your hands on these amazing products, you can head to Sakara.com and use code XOSADY at checkout for 20% off your first order. Again, that's Sakara.com and use code XOSADY at checkout for 20% off. What are, what's your advice for college students who are engaging in like socializing party life and want to be safe and mindful and set them up for success long term? No, it's it, it, one. And I think this is really important. This is my opinion. You're not going to be able to escape from the exposure to alcohol, smoking, or drugs. It's there. It's real. It's alive. And for someone to say, hey, you cannot go to any of these things. Well, you've probably just subtracted about 95% of your college social life. It just doesn't work. And so what do you need? You need to learn effective, what I call peer management. Okay. And there's not much written on this. I think you're going to see more where, you know, how do you go into a situation where there's a party, you choose a not to drink, not to use drugs, not smoke and dot, dot, dot. You have four times more fun than they're having. Mm -hmm. 
and you're not under the influence. So then you become sort of a positive peer model on how to really have constructive fun and not need the availability and use of substances to do that for you. You know, our brain, just the way they're managed and people who, who, who abuse, I talked to, to somebody who's a substance abuse counselor last week, is if you stop, you better have something to replace it. That's just as enjoyable. And if you don't, it's just not going to work. It's not so much people going to meetings that helps. It's going to meetings and being encouraged to find other activities uh, mm-hmm. that are just as enjoyable. I mean, the, this person I spoke, spoke with last week, he's getting a high off exercise. He swims a mile and a half every day. Wow. And he gets the same high as drink. So he's, you have to replace it with more constructive mm-hmm. activities. I remember I had this friend in in treatment and every single time she wanted to smoke, she would go and make like the largest cup of hot chocolate that you'd ever seen and Mm -hmm. kind of get that that sugar spike. But it was an effective switch between the two. So she'd be like sitting in group with her giant hot chocolate that she made. She's like, guys, it's okay. We're just getting through it today. And we're like, we we got you. We get it. For teenagers who drinking is part of their lifestyle, it's something that they've engaged in. What are some things to be aware of where it kind of leans into the ter- territory of where it's like fun, fun with problems, and then it's just problems is kind of like the addiction language there. What are red flags mm-hmm. for teens to be aware of? Well, I think one is if you're using to self-medicate, if it's like, oh, I just can't be myself or my friends, but if I drink or I smoke weed, oh, all of a sudden I can just be spontaneous in myself. So you may have a social anxiety, but you're using substances as a means to cope. If you're depressed all the time and you know, if you smoke weed, you're happy, that's a concern. You've got a mood related issue that's that's causing problems. Two is if you say, you know, you're using it just for fun, you're just going to have a good time. And you say, hey, this weekend with my friends, I'm not going to use. I'm going to stop. I'm just going to have fun normal ways. And you can't. That's a problem. It's saying, hey, you don't have other ways to to find fun besides that. And we Mm -hmm. need other ways to have fun. Yeah, 100%. For parents of teens, at what point do you recommend intervention or you think it's smart to kind of start keeping more of an eye on things, pursue treatment, all of those different options? Well, you begin from the, the start. You know, you, you want to know who your, who your kids are hanging out with, mm-hmm. you know, and you're not like being a spy. You're, you're doing this in an interactive way. Who are you yeah. hanging out with? What are your friends doing? Mm-hmm. And then how do we, as parents help you as a teen experience all the wonders of adolescence and Mm -hmm. and still keep a sane mind you know that's tough there's no black or white answers there's no clear it's all about communication and using problem solving skills to help Mm -hmm. come up with better answers so that'd be first thing so what do parents need to do okay read parenting books i mean learn how to connect with your kid but also learn problem solving skills yeah you know, which, by the way, do they teach you problem solving skills in high school? I mean, I never learned them. They um, teach us math problem solving skills. Problem solving um, like life problem skills. Like here's yeah. define the no, problem. No. And so what does it mean? It means that as parents, we might want to go get some information. There's great books on problem solving skills. There's great books on connection. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you start to learn the skill sets you need. Now, so that's what I answer part one. Okay. So the second when it starts to become a problem, I think you got to be uh, pretty clear cut. You stay calm, but with your child, your child, here's our expectations, you know, that, you know, we're not drinking. Okay. If that's what it is, that's, I think it should be personally. And it seems like this has gone beyond 
we've set some some expectations to stop you haven't been able to follow them we are getting concerned so you put up the preamble warning and you mm -hmm. can also throw out if it continues then here's what we're going to need to look at doing mm -hmm. okay now if you get to the point here's what we need to look at we're going to do something have some resources of what you're going to do okay if you don't have them then the believability the credibility goes down if yeah. you've got three programs on the web you're showing your team here's what we're thinking of if they can't stop here's what we've got to do so that's sort of that now as a teen you're not going to like that who's going to like that mm -hmm. right okay so then parents can throw in a few preambles it's like listen you know as a parent we you've in this you basically got two jobs one is to build a relationship with your 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 teen okay mm -hmm. that's fun you know hey what'd you do last night hey how was your time with your friends hey want to go out and watch this game so that's part one part two is to teach you how to be self-disciplined right well, what does that mean you know it means doing things you don't necessarily want to do well that sounds kind of punitive and not fun but why do parents do that and so when you're done with high school the more self-disciplined you are, the more opportunities you're going to have yeah, it's everything. in life. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, this is self-discipline. Okay. Bill or whatever your kid's name is, is like, how do you like hearing this stuff? You know, they're not going to like hear it. And then the parents say, well, how much do you think I like doing this? Yeah. Yeah. But that's mm -hmm. your job as a parent. hundred percent. Okay. And so you're, you're defining your roles and why you're doing what you're doing, okay? Mm -hmm. Another thing I throw out is, as a parent, have five to 10 whys your recommendations are not to drink. Yeah. Okay, if you've got 10 whys, you're, 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 it doesn't matter who you are, you're, you're feeding the other person's brain unconsciously mm -hmm. reasons why it's not healthy to use, 100%. okay? Yeah. I think that makes a ton of sense. The last area of teen substance use that I want to dive into, which I think is becoming even more prevalent, is adolescent marijuana usage and smoking. I first want to talk about what the difference that has on the brain compared to smoking or drinking. So what happens when, when an adolescent is smoking or doing edibles, all of that? Okay, so that's a great question. So I'm in California, and so it, it, it's sort of like, in, since it's legal here, Mm -hmm. the things I hear in the office, it's like, oh, the government finally woke up. You know, it's legal. It's a plan. It's natural. Yeah. You know, I wish yeah. this should have been done years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's sort of where the, the culture is. Yeah. Pot, this is more science. Okay. There's two active ingredients in marijuana. One is CBD oil. If you look at the data so far, so long as you don't smoke it, it looks really safe. I mean, we haven't mm -hmm. seen a whole that lot. That was going to be one of my questions, like thoughts yeah. on CBD. Is that bad or... Yeah. So far, the data on CBD oil, so long as you um, put it on your skin or swallow mm -hmm. it in recommended amounts, it looks safe. I've seen one DNA study where it might alter DNA, which can make it more concerned about cancer. But all the other studies, for the most part, mm -hmm. looks good. Okay, so that's active ingredient number one. Hooray, let's clap our hands. <laughs> and two, there's THC. Okay, THC is the more active ingredient that gives you the high, the happiness, the sort of disinhibition. That is not friends with your brain. It is toxic. It causes perfusion problems. And it can cause cognitive and emotional difficulties later on, probably earlier than alcohol. If you look at 
what a brain is smoking versus one that's using marijuana, the marijuana probably uh, affects it um, more. Okay. So, and your brain doesn't know it's THC. It doesn't know it's a plant. It just knows it's THC. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and I'll normally in my office, well, I'll show pictures of THC brains and you can see kind of mm-hmm. the difference from normal and it's fairly pronounced. So that's. I'll put those you, on Instagram for anyone listening if they want to see those as well. Yeah. See those. And then the other, just to kind of drive home the point, it's I'll, I'll get on my, my, my YouTube and I'll say, Hey, I'll show you someone who smoked pot a lot. And I'll go to a movie called, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and, mm-hmm. I'll, and I'll pull it up on YouTube, and there's a character uh, called Spicoli, she's played by Sean Penn, mm-hmm. and, and, and Sean's basically a pothead, you mm-hmm. know, hanging out in high school, and, and it's hilarious. I mean, if you watch the movie, I mean, I can still remember when I first saw, my, my, my gut was hurting. Okay. Yeah, like class okay. clown. Yeah. Yeah. So he's class clown. He's got the slow, hey, well, man, what you doing? You know, it's sort of the the, the stoner verbosity, you know, mm-hmm. buying pizzas in the, and having them <laughs> delivered in the middle of high school class. Yeah, right. It's funny. You're laughing, you know, but then he doesn't graduate from high school and all his friends yeah. do. And so all of a sudden what's, oh, ha ha, he, 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 isn't this great? You know, in real life, it's not. And so is this when you graduate from high school, when all your friends are at graduation, do you want to be like Spicoli at home, mm-hmm. literally with a history teacher? writing a paper. And so if we took Spicoli today and scanned his brain, I'm telling you, there'd be like perfusion <laughs> problems yeah. everywhere, everywhere. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so the word to get out, I find is THC. It's not healthy and it, it may be legal, but alcohol is legal too. Yeah. If you look what it does to your brain and your liver for that matter, it's not such uh, it's not such a great thing. So that's sort of phase one. The other phase with it is you, let's say you smoke pot and you can't stop. Okay. Yeah, that was yeah. Gonna be my question. People say, oh, you can't get addicted to pot. You can't get addicted you, oh, to smoking. You, you, okay. You can't get addicted. All right. We already talked about cigarettes. Yeah. Okay. Six months, 90% are using again. Pot, a, you decide to stop smoking pot. A year later, guess what percent are still sober. They're not smoking. Very low percent. 20%. Oh my God. 20%. Yeah. I mean, it's wow. crazy. And so, you know, in the office, what I do is say, listen, it's like, I'll be, you know, I'm not saying it negatively. I'm saying, you know, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be the exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. You, you will be in the 20% come, you know what, or high water, you will not be smoking pot. If you've decided we're going to figure out a system to do. Now, I can tell you this. If you look at what's out there research-wise, mm-hmm. the two big things that help you be in that 20% is, one, having a group of friends, people, that support you yeah. on that, that, that endeavor. And, it, and it, it's like, oh, God, is that like self-help groups? Well, if you find great mentors, it, it's, it's all the difference in the world. I mean, if you just go to a meeting and you're not connected with a bunch of people, that's not a self-help group. That's just to be yeah. a bunch of people getting together. If you find someone who's maybe eight to nine years older than you, that's graduated from high school, has a great job, uh, maybe became a great athlete or they're doing something, they're going to be a, a much more influential and I think inspirational to think about the mm-hmm. long-term you know, management to help you get to where you want to go. You need that because your brain has been programmed. Okay. You say you're going to stop. You go to school, you smell something, you know, maybe it's the eraser from a pencil 
and mm. your brain says, oh, that reminds me of when you were doing that paper and you were racing and you couldn't write, so you smoked weed and it went better. So that mm. smell sends a message to our reward center or nucleus accumbens, and obviously we get these urges to smoke. It's like, where, where's all this coming from? So you're barraged by this all day long. And so you need a group of people that are going to, one, help you learn how to deal with those urges. And then two, it's you got to find other things that are fun to do. You got to replace it with something. If you don't replace it, you, you end up just either you're really not happy, okay, mm -hmm. or you're in the other 80% you're using again. Mm -hmm. So smoking, drinking, that's now confusing. We'll say vaping, drinking, um, smoking weed. What is the lesser of all evils and what is avoid at all costs if you had to rank them regarding adolescent usage? No, that's a good question. Of course, it's like subjective, depends on like the amount of use and all that kind of stuff, but generally. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a tough one. I mean... I guess I would start with smoking cigarettes because people usually start smoking cigarettes and that leads to other yeah. entities from there. So, you know, if you're smoking and you can learn the skill sets to stay away from that, it can help with the other ones. But, you know, that could be debated, you yeah. know, in several ways. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people, if they're doing one, they're doing the other. There's studies out now with, with there's a really interesting study this last year. People who smoke weed, your cognition goes down. You can't focus as well. So guess what you do? You smoke cigarettes to get your yeah. cognition up. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, rather than... You're like taking uppers to decrease the effects of the downers. Yeah, it's, it's a like the, spiral. It's a cycle, you know, yeah. circle. It's not like one, in, everything circles rather than is linear. And it just makes things more mm -hmm. complicated. But I think the best thing is, is, is get really creative to figure out ways to have a, a blast with life yeah. without the substances. I love that. And I, I think it's it's very it's very feasible, it's very possible, and it's it's a great tip, a hundred percent. Yeah. So and then people will say, Well, how do you do that? It's like, well, okay, one is find out what your passions is. If you if you're into like here, my foundation, if you're into art, you know, then let's get you at some really cool art institute mm -hmm. after school where you're working yeah. some of the world's best. If you're into dancing, oh my gosh, out here, it's like let's get you. I've I've taken my some of my youth to dance with Will I Am from Black Eyed Pea, his instructor. Amazing. So yeah. yeah, so then it, it takes on a whole nother, you know, ambience. If you like acting, figure a way to get to the backstage at a theater production and meet all the mm -hmm. actors and actresses. Right. So yeah, so that's, you, you, you've got to be smarter and more creative. And this is where problem solving becomes huge. Yeah, there's so much that's missing. And even just the public school education system, but just the education system in general about mental health, how to cope with different challenges that come up, what is happening when we're experiencing emotions, problem solving, all these things that we're just not equipped with and are more valuable a lot of times in life than like, oh, how can I differentiate this calculus problem, which you don't end up using. And so I, I completely agree with you there. What if there was a high school class and I'm, I'm not sure what I would call it, like leadership skills or entrepreneurial skills where you went in and each week you had a different topic that used like cutting edge information there's a lot of good stuff out there like on creating mm -hmm. a vision setting goals communication skills self-control how mm -hmm. to how to deal with conflict besides what we're seeing my opinion on you name the cable station how do you resolve issues rather than hyperbola what if they had a class 
Do you think that would be something people would engage in? A hundred percent. And especially if it was relevant to things that are going on now, students are more engaged, they're more passionate, then they're more willing to engage in their other classes. They're spending more time researching, doing things that they love. And it would it would equip them so much more long term, whether they go to college, if they're working after high school, whatever it is, I think it would be extremely valuable. Like all of the skills that I learned when I didn't, when I, when I, when I was in intensive treatment served me so well now. And that wasn't part of like my typical freshman, sophomore year curriculum, but learning how to dissolve conflict and advocate for myself and validate other people and and be consistent with habits and and tracking those are all things that helped me be successful, but I didn't learn in a math class or a physics class and all that kind of stuff. There's, since you brought it up, so we talked about the one factor to being that 20% is having a social group. The other is having purpose. Yeah. Now, if you go to school, and here's your math assignment, do it. Here's your reading assignment, do it. Here's your science assignment, do it. Mm-hmm. And there's no connection with life. There's no motivation. There's no purpose. Yeah. And if you take away purpose, it's a problem. I, I one of my, my my foundation, one of my 22 year olds, you know, we start talking. He was he he loved singing, and I said, well, how was high school? He said you didn't like it. I said, well, you know, what do you wish you would have learned better? And he said math, and I'm like, really huh? math? And he goes, yeah. yeah he I'm said, like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I said, why do you say that? He said, because I need it. I don't yeah. know how to do my checkbook. Yeah. I don't know how to understand my credit card. Or invest, why didn't or, the teacher yeah. Yeah, or invest? Why didn't the teachers, rather than just saying do problems one through ten, mm-hmm. put in some meat and say you know, you have a checking account, you have $1,500, you're thinking mm-hmm. of buying a car for $1,850. Yeah. Should you buy the car or not? So 1500 so yeah. I mean, and so I'm just, my, my heart broke. It's like, mm-hmm. the, these, these are solvable problems and you can create purpose and meaning. It's like, oh my gosh, yeah. if you're in high school, it's like, you know, how much money do I have in my account? How do I really realistically want to spend it as mm-hmm. opposed to what do you do? You get your check, spend it. You know, yeah. what did you buy? I don't know. And this, and this is 22. <laughs> yeah. Food, you know, fast food, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And so I just, my own personal opinion is how do we create purpose for yeah. people starting and even before high school parents, they're, they're so busy these days. Yeah. And they don't know necessarily how to teach it themselves. Mm-hmm. So we've got to get more creative to help that occur. And if we create purpose, guess what? We'll probably see substance abuse yeah. go down. If you know at age, yeah. I'm making this up now, let's say at age 16, you know you want to go to, to college, become a doctor or a lawyer. You, you know the kind of organizational skills, the classification skills, the memorization, memorization skills you're going to need. Yeah. And you'll know what, things that are outside everybody do to it and you'll be more apt to stay away from them 100 percent. yeah i i don't remember exactly what study it was but it was in johan hari's lost connections book and they were talking about how there were these were there were these extremely high suicide rates in this very specific sector of this company i think it was in england and they did like this giant study and they were like what is going on here like why is only this department having such high suicide rates and it was because every single day they came to work and they were paper pushing and every single time they put a 
finished a paper, 30 more were on the stack. And there was no sense of purpose. They didn't feel like they were making a change in the world. Nothing was happening with this output of work. And they looked at a very similar department where they were also paper pushing, but they felt that they were making progress, they were making movement, they were contributing in some way to the world, and the suicide rates weren't there. And so it's it's so true in the science backs that, and it's a huge pillar of feelings of depression and feeling very hopeless and not really knowing like where you where you belong in the world. And so it's just, it's so true. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me and having such an amazing conversation about adolescent substance use. I know this will help so many teens and parents alike, and I... I, I really thank you for taking the time to sit down with me. Thank you, Sadie. In case you skipped to the end, Dr. Faber and I talked all about what happens to the adolescent and teenage brain when it's under the influence of nicotine, marijuana, and alcohol. We talked about which is the lesser of all evils of these three and which has the most damage. We talked about long-term effects of substance abuse in teens. We talked about what steps you can take if you are looking to quit substances and how to know if that might be an effective option for you. And we also talked about how to support someone who is interested in looking to quit substances from the perspective of a parent or a loved one. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please, please share it with a friend or family member who you think would benefit from giving it a listen. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and subscribe so you don't miss any new updates. I'll see you next Monday.